Welcome, friends, to Tanked Up, the podcast all about video games and beer. I'm one of your hosts, Ben, here with Adol. Hey! Hey, it's a little Will smith episode this week. Uh, Lucy's not feeling very well, so she has uh, taken the night off. So, Adol, you and I will just be chatting a little bit. I don't think we've played a huge amount of, of games, but there's some stuff we want to kind of get into and talk about. Um, and we'll have a couple of beers, maybe. We'll see how it goes. One, two, ten, twelve. Who knows? See how long we sit here for. Um, four beers. We'll launch straight into them. What are you going to start with this week? Where have I put them all? It's all gone horribly wrong. No, it's uh, right here. Uh, I'm going to drink this beer from Bullhouse Brewing mm. called Frank the Tank. Nice. Uh it's uh, Bullhouse Beer's uh, beer number 29. It's a double dry hopped pale ale. It's 5%. New England style double dry hop pale. Full bodied silky texture. Extra pale base to showcase the aromatic tropical and stone fruit flavors of our mosaic DDH. Um, yeah. And of course, Bullhouse is in Belfast. Mm-hmm. Haven't had anything from them for a very long time. Yeah, me neither. It, uh, I I got it. Um, I cashed in some beer fifty two mm. points and grabbed sort of things that I don't wouldn't normally get. It was like the theme behind my points cashing in was like yeah. so and and stouts. It's like it's cold now. <laughs> stouts and randoms. Get all the stouts, good. Um, for me, I have got. Uh, a couple of or the, the beers in front of me are both from Marks and Spencer. I had to go there to do a little non-alcohol run. Oh, go on, sort the cow. Sort the cow. I don't know whether is he coming in or going out. He's going out. There we go. Couldn't hear him though. Couldn't hear him and his mewling. But he's gone. It didn't hear his mewling. You didn't? No, no. Oh, uh, well, I did mute as soon as he started. Uh, he, was, he started being real insistent, and I was like, oh, this is not going to get better. It's not very nice. So, and <laughs> That's fair. Normally, I time it. I'm like, I can usually wait. But, like, with, with the three of us, it's like, okay, one of you two is talking. The other one's listening. Absolutely. I could just, like, and then I was like, oh, he's only going to, he's already being super insistent. <laughs> I'm just going to have to walk away. It's when he turns back M&S up. About, is what I heard. Turns up about halfway through and just scratching at the door. Like, let me back in, let me back in. Um, yeah, yes. luckily I'll have the earphones <clears throat> in and I won't hear them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I went to uh, M&S. Uh, um, Kim wanted some alcohol-free stuff and they supposedly do lots of alcohol-free stuff. So I stocked up on there. But whilst I was there, I also saw some beers, which I haven't had before, um, from a very familiar brewery. Uh, but one who, uh, another brewery, Burnt Mill, who I really like. Mm. Haven't had massive amounts of stuff from them recently. But they do, in Marks and Spencer's, a beer called High Hopes, which is a West Coast pale ale at 5%. Uh, you can't quite, mm. you could just see it if I turn the can away from the light, but it's got this windmill sort of on the, on the bluff. But it then basically just takes away the can art and shows the can, the silver of the can kind of underneath. Um, almost, almost like is, smoke trails from my perspective yes yeah exactly which doesn't exactly. make as much sense with the windmill 
Like, is it on fire? Potentially. Oh, of course it is. It's a burnt mill. I'm an <laughs> idiot. I'm just an idiot. Of course that's what it is. Um, This beer, as I said, 5%. Uh, a West Coast Pale Ale with fruity aromatics, extra pale and light crystal malts make up the grist for a lean malt profile with a touch of sweetness to balance out the hot profile of Mosaic, Citra, Chinook, Simcoe and Centennial. That brings aromas of ripe citrus fruits and pine needles. Um, you kind of expect burnt mill to have that big, big finish as a lot of their beers do, uh, to have that bitterness. Um, so, um, I think the last time I had something might have been a collaboration between them and someone else. Uh, and it maybe wasn't quite as, I wouldn't say good, but didn't live up to what I think the standards of either, uh, brewery. I, that's, yeah, that's what's in my head. I can't remember what it was, who the other brewery was. Or anything like that. But I'm going to start with this. We'll come back to you for sure. for Frank the Tank. Yeah, so I poured uh, kind of quickly because that's right when I was pouring was when the cat started to mm-hmm. meow and I tried to do too many things at once. So you can see the results is, I'm going to say, started as a three-finger head, head now down to about two and a half. Um, it's quite a creamy head. I don't know if yeah. you can tell in this lighting, but it's just like it is solid. Yeah. Um, so I feel like maybe some of this pour is justified <laughs> as a result because it's not one of lately. I've been having very like not so bubbly, low head beers, mm-hmm. uh, which means you can pour with a little more oomph than I did. <laughs> but this one is not one of those. <laughs> you can really smell the mosaic. Um, I'm getting, uh, yeah, you know, some citrus, some, some, um, some tropical, uh, just off the nose alone, which is double dry hop, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting a touch of apricot, but mostly I'm getting, um, like a light mango. Okay. Like, you know how sometimes tropical fruit is just like a, a vibe, like it's like no, no specific tropical fruit, just like the tropical fruit smell. Mm-hmm. It's not quite that generic, but it's like, that with leaning towards mango so you don't get like the the richer mango um smell but you do get that the hint of it a little sweetness yeah you know? yeah exactly so it's like a slightly sweeter than just generic tropical mm-hmm. mm, also it's you can see it's it's a bit hazy even though it's quite light and straw yeah. colored but like you can still see through it you mm. can see my fingers through it um with the light shining through but it's it's not clear. It's it's got a haze to it. It was a new New England a double dry hopped pale, but a New England IPA or New England pale? No, just a DDH pale. Wow, why have I thought that? Strange. Uh, just make words up in my head. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, it it's this is a beer that's doing one of the things I I prefer, which is when it's like dry hopped. It still tastes. Like it's dry hopped versus sometimes you have this weird betrayal is a strong word. I just mean a sub or bait and switch, but that's how I feel. I, I'm just a simple man. I smell a thing I want and then I taste it. I want those things to be the same. Yep. Um, and this is exactly what this is doing. It's just, you know, a lot more nuance there. It's um, quite effervescent. Surprise, surprising. Um, even if I'm not just taking a sip of your head like I just did. <coughs> um. I'm getting the um actually I'm surprised they because the the liner notes said uh, something about stone fruit still not quite getting a lot and I was six, so maybe it was just that hint in the nose that they mm. wanted to talk about 
says mango is oh, a stone mm. fruit. I guess, yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, I always think of it more as tropical, but you're right, it is technically a stone fruit. Yeah, so maybe we, that's what it Absolutely. We always on. sort of say that, you know, when we, when we talk about sort of those lighter stone fruits, like peach or apricot and those kinds of things, and then mm. mango always gets thrown in with those tropical fruits. But yeah, you, you could kind of say stone, right? It is a stone fruit, so you could say yeah. it on the tin, I guess. Yeah, but so is avocado, and you wouldn't say, ooh, avocado. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I had like a... You know, like a mental picture, but a mental taste of mm-hmm. like an avocado beer was not. No, no. This is better than that. Um, um, yeah. So I'm getting those tropical taste. I am getting a little more you know, some nice light bitterness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it it's enough. It's just bitter enough that it's not that. It's neutral, maybe slightly drying in the mouthfeel, but that bitterness helps bring that out as well without making you, like, feeling like your mouth has become a desert. Yeah. Um, so it's a nice balance there. It's really... I mean, it's 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 5%, but uh, it's really easy to drink. Um, I'm forcing myself to pause just because the finish is a little more interesting... Hmm. Still not quite, haven't quite figured out all the tastes. I think maybe that's where the stone fruit might be. Okay. Yeah, there's something like, I'm like, my brain has a catalog of like, these are the things you've noticed. And there's something missing that I haven't described, but I can't quite put my finger on it. Yeah. Um, It's it's very good. Um, And like I said, nice and light. This was the... um, beer i chose because i wanted to pretend it's earlier in autumn than it is <laughs> you know right, still, so, still so, sat on the stoop hanging out like that kind of weather yeah exactly there so just just enough like lingering bitterness just enough um toned down tropicality that that you wouldn't have it in the summer but you would welcome it in in the fall uh obviously it's the winter now um but it's definitely one of those um pale ales that really does feel end of year rather than middle or early year it's quite mm. good that way i'm glad i'm glad it matched with that the thought process that i chose it on um nice hmm. good good um this this burnt milk smells lovely um but you i'm getting a lot of the malts from it lovely sweetness but also a little bit of that fruit from uh, again, like yours with the mosaic, that 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 kicks in and not getting a huge amount. I, I know it, it says it's got mosaic, citra, chinook, simcoe, and centennial. It's a lot of hops in this, um, and as it says, a touch of the, there's a sweetness on that malt, pro, malt profile to balance out the hops. So, oh. It's a, a, again like yours. It's maybe a little more orangey, not quite as straw as yours, but it's got that same sort of uh, um, that touch of haze to it, but still almost kind of clear. Um, the head on mine dissipated a lot quicker than it did on yours. wasn't quite as foamy, but the flavour is very easy. But the unlike yours, the nose doesn't kind of lead into the flavour as much. So obviously on that flavour, you're getting a lot of those malts, that sweetness from the malts, and a little bit of a, 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 a sort of a tropical fruit sweetness perhaps from the mosaic. But in the flavour itself, 
that is is really kind of as they say with the malts balancing out those hops those hops absolutely do come through in the flavor it's all very light it's all kind of it's not quite you know the eight percent sort of burnt mills that they're sort of known for those bigger bigger bitter beers that i love from them it's a it's a little bit more reserved you're still getting that bitterness that is still there that comes through quite quickly as well there is a bit of a muddle of flavors kind of going on and i don't know whether it's because of all of those hops in there that there's lots of different little bits that are trying to kind of find a way there's a little bit of the um sort of tropical fruits a little sweetness from those there's a little bit a, a hint of of say lime in there as well giving it just that little kind of little kick to it as well there's a little of this slightly more dank kind of fruit as well you know that really ripe kind of mango sort of like and you can you can sort of see yeah you're getting that that sweetness those tropical sweetnesses and then that sort of that lime drags it down and drags everything mm. more into that kind of like danker, earthier end of really ripe sort of fruits. Um, and then it has that piney bitterness towards the end as well. So the flow works. And yes, it is a supermarket beer. It was like three quid. It's 5%. Nice. It's, it, it feels about right for kind of what I paid for it rather than this being sort of like a, you know, even at 5% being a five, six pound kind of beer feels like everything is just a bit reserved and mm. that i mean like high hopes is the name of the beer but it's also kind of what i have for finding this beer but at eight percent from burnt mill like exactly the same <laughs> beer but like you know just yeah just just doubled. a little more of everything absolutely yeah. and and because those flavors that flow is really nice everything's just a little too light for me uh, but mm. it's really i think it'd be a really good kind of again you're just out hanging around, going to the park to meet some friends or something like that. You walk past M&S, grab a couple of these. It's really easy to drink. Uh, um, and you wouldn't go wrong with just this on an, on an afternoon. Um, I'm going to knock it back incredibly quickly, I think. I mean, that sounds great, to be honest. Yeah, and it it does have a like a dryness to it that at least lets the flavor... It dries my mouth out loads, but it lets the flavor linger enough that I'm I'm kind of going back because my mouth has been dried out, but the flavour is still there. So actually, when I'm going back in for a sip, I'm just continuing this flavour constantly in 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 my mouth, which is which is nice. Like it's nice that it sits there for so long, and that when I go back and go mm, a little bit dry, I'll, I'll have another swig. I'm like, oh yeah, it's the same. It's, I'm being presented again with the same flavour. Perfect, works really well. So yeah, I think it's it's well made. Absolutely. I just want it to be bigger. I think I'm going to have oh. to search out some burnt mill beers and find all their big boys. Hmm. Um, I mean, that all sounds excellent. I will add, um, I think I know where you got the New England mm. bet. It, I reread the tin. Oh, um, oh, it does say it. It says a New England style um, uh, DDH pale. Right. And then I did a quick Google and it's because it's got their house New England yeast in it. Which oh. does explain a little bit of that slightly, uh, the 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 way the bitterness is in the finish, the mm-hmm. the, the yeastiness. Hmm. Um. Also, I think, I mean, 
I'm now, it sucks because finding that out also told me that one of the tasting notes is berries. And I'm like, oh, is that the thing that's missing? And it kind of is. But now I don't know if that's what I'm just being told by the internet. That's what I was tasting. Just all the berries, every single one. No, I mean, honestly, part of the finish reminds me of like a, um, that 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 t- aftertaste of the blueberries give you. Mm. Right, that they're very distinct, but quite light. Mm-hmm. Mixed with the, the again, I think the the yeast year finish, but it's on on top of the sort of mangoey, um, light mango sweetness. There is this, um, yeah, like I said, like um, very sort of um, not tarty like a raspberry, but like a like a not very sweet strawberry, like just that that core. There is some of that in in the in the in the core of the taste, but again, uh, maybe I'm just adding that on now. Um, but yeah, it's quite good. I like that it's quite light, but there's enough going on. Even if it's just me being confused on what it is, yeah. it's still an interesting thing. It's you know, it's I like that there are these things, these tastes um, that aren't really fighting because nothing is. Mm. But you could. It means that even though this is light and kind of fluffy ish in the sense of just like airy um i don't i i can nurse this if i want to because there's enough to like pick at yeah. versus oh this five percent beer is gonna go real quick <laughs> which is what i thought on my first few t- tastes nice nice i i suppose we'll just see how the chat goes to see whether uh you've absolutely nailed it uh in a in a little bit but we're gonna I suppose talking of big boys, come to you um, to talk about some scaly big boys. Mm. I yes, I played a game mm. for a long time, actually. Um, uh, normally, my streams, uh, first look streams, are about an hour and then a break, and about another hour, sometimes shorter, sometimes a bit longer, but roughly an hour on, to just split it up. And I'm playing. Four hours, I think, of Jurassic Park Evolution 2 yeah. TM. Jurassic Park or um, Jurassic World? World, sorry. Mm. Yes. Yes. Jurassic World Evolution <laughs> 2. Um, yeah. Uh, and I played almost all of Jurassic World Evolution 1. Mm. Uh, it's by Frontier Games, um, who've done... Um, what is their... Big Park One Planet Coaster, C- Coaster, yeah, uh, and they have a Zooey one as well, I think. But like, th- th- I had really high hopes for JPE One, um, JWE One. Oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, before we go into it, I mean, f- f- yeah. fuck, fuck the franchise for just changing the name. Like, just make Jurassic Park. Seven. It's not like no one knows. <laughs> but it's um, the world now. It's not a park, it's the world. Yeah, sure it is. <laughs> um Yeah, so uh for those of you who don't know, I mean if you've played any sort of theme park simulator type game, it's it's the same type of setup. You've got a map, and you have certain thing buildings that do certain things, and then you have attractions. Except in this game series, the attractions are pens with electrified fences to put dinosaurs in. Uh, and you played a bit of JWE One, yes, yep. 
Uh, I th- what did you think? Um, oh, I did. I think we've got an episode where I talked about it. Actually, I'll probably contradict yeah, 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 myself okay. massively. That's fine, uh, but from memory, uh, I I enjoyed it, but it was a little bit limited in what it provided. It was essentially make pen, make dinosaur, put a dinosaur in pen. And and then, you know, various combinations and different um, issues that arose in the park that you had to kind of react to, different park sort of sizes and layouts that you sort of had to wrangle with as you tried to, you know, hit so many stars or something like that for yeah. visitors or doing quests and in these kinds of things. And it had lots of, seemed like it had lots of stuff in it, but it was all very repetitive. It was all very similar for the entire sort of playthrough. Yeah. So I, I think I did all but the end of the last island because I just got bored. Mm. Um, and yeah, basically it felt like a theme park game where you, you know, you can build like a monorail and rides and, viewing platforms for the dinosaurs and food stalls and this and that. But then, like you said, it was quite thin as a theme park game Mm. because you you didn't have the nitty-gritty mechanics of, like, clicking on a certain... Or even the gameplay of, like, oh, what is this exact person doing and thinking and all those things that you have in modern ones. But also, all of the theme park management stuff was quite high level, and so you couldn't really drill down Mm -hmm. a lot. You could kind of be like... Oh, if I raise the price of tacos, I'll make more money. If I raise it too much, maybe people will be sad. But you could play the whole game and not really do that that much. And <laughs> yeah. there wasn't enough to do that making the extra money made sense. Mm-hmm. It was just, it, it was really a letdown because outside of like putting two dinosaurs in the pen and watching them fight to see the cool graphics engine, like there wasn't, it, it was very easy to get bored. And, and like you said, the, the missions were... build it on an island so it's harder build it on a map that's artificially restricted to this size and now do it on this other size like it yeah it was it was quite a bit of a let let down um and like i'm not that far in the game i mean i I, (laughs) spoiler alert i naffed the last mission because i i was kind of purposely just trying to see what the last task was like um, make sure all the dinosaurs in your park are at 80% comfort or higher for a minute and a half. And, like, things kept happening, and I just kept bringing in dinosaurs knowing that they would, like... <laughs> like, I realized just after a couple... Like, oh, everything. They everything. Well, yeah, they ne- well, also, they never come in at 100% comfort, so the timer oh. won't start if I keep bringing in dinosaurs. But I was kind of curious, and then, an, basically, uh, there was a fail state in that mission of enough dinosaurs dying... That you failed the mission. And I was like, cool, I'm stopping the stream now. <laughs> um, but, like, what I... The big, big, big difference is I kind of liked the plot. Because okay. there is a plot. Um, it does mean that you're not doing theme park stuff. Which I also think is the key to why I didn't feel kind of like I was spinning my wheels. Mm. So, the premise is dinosaurs have escaped across North America. And they live in the forests, roughly. And so you, your first mission is working for the Department of Fish and Wildlife because now they have a dinosaur division because, of course, they would. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you are like, 
capturing some dinosaurs in the desert and then you move to another locale and then there's some nonsense about i work for the cia but also this and i don't know who you are you know voiceover people telling you things and you're like okay but what am i supposed to do who, oh, wait it's like I, the second i know that the, the kind of and the first game did it as well like interweaves the characters from the films into the games and I, yeah is this one like with this whole like with cia stuff and all this kind of stuff is it throwing kind of like new characters at you more than say the first game did yeah i think there's an effort to make me like i don't i i didn't watch the other ones i think i watched world and maybe the second one mm -hmm. the one that was in the mansion no i didn't watch that one oh Maybe I haven't. I mean, whatever. Uh, so, like, it has Chris Pratt and its love his love interest, and they feel really stapled on because it's like, I can help you. Look at you should build it the. And it's like we have some experience dealing with dinosaurs. And then you've got other people who, like, one of the guys is like your main contact for with the uh, DFW, and that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then you've got, but like I said, the CIA person. I'm like. I started a mission and she and this person's telling me all these things and then they're like, and I work for the CIA. I'm like, then why are you talking to me? I'm a DFW person. What? <laughs> and then they're like, oh, but I don't, I used to work for something else. I'm like, I think you're trying to like, I, it's a bit clunky the mm. way that like they're trying to bring characters into this essentially like the main guy you talk to is like, these are the things you need to do. Here's your next mission. It's like, okay, sure. And like the f second map is we, we, uh, we poachers, are in an area in Washington State. Now they've been scared off, but you need to deal with these this poaching ring place. But like, take over and make the capture the dangerous carnosaurs and make their life okay. But don't let them run wild. Oh, now you've and then there's like and then some plot happens. But it's like, oh, okay. So I don't mind that 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 guy is kind of like, oh no, you have to do this and this is like because he's walking me through mechanics and that's fine. But like. All the other stuff in the plot, I kind of wish it was just it is good. Like I mm. like it. It's a lot better than the make a new park on this island, which was a, what the first one was, because it felt really like what. Yeah. And I don't have to go back to the other island. Yeah, the, the first game it's, was weird because it felt like uh, you know just like a tying game, right? Yeah, Jurassic Park's back. We need a game uh, or Jurassic World. Uh, um, we need a game for it. What, what See, kind of game can we so have? Not so easy. Yeah. What kind of game can we have? Well, we can have a uh, park management sim. Let's get the people who make really good park management sims to make it for us. Cool. Fine. And it was, you know, okay. Uh, this one, it'd be interesting to see how that story progresses and how you feel about that kind of when you get towards again. Whether that, again, it doesn't necessarily feel like a tie-in anymore but is actually an actively expanding on the lore of the newer Jurassic Park films. Because I know in the new one that is coming out at some point, they're bringing back uh, Sam Neill and Laura Dern. So yeah, and it, it, yeah. again, it's a weird one, isn't it? Like even the films are going, oh, shit, oh, I, oh, how, how do we move on from this? Let's tie it back to the original films. So it'd be interesting to see whether this successfully, or even if it bothers trying to expand the lore, bringing in other interesting characters, how the world of Jurassic Park kind of is going forward. But 
even if it's I just really enjoyed, some... sorry, the the world of Jurassic Park and because you could <laughs> I know, say the world I can of say Jurassic World. world. <laughs> yeah, I had to think about it. Um, yeah. yeah, just just to see how it is going forward and, and whether it does that kind of successfully or not. Yeah, I mean that's I think why I ended up playing more of it because it was like yeah, the, I mean like I said some some of the speech felt really tacked on. It's most of the stuff with the knockoff versions of Chris Pratt. And I can't remember the actress's uh, name. Bryce Dallas Howard. Howard, yeah. Mm. Thank you. Um, and it's... Uh, that Those parts, it's just like, I don't think they're saying much. They just seem to be needing to be those characters. But the other characters are like generic video game characters. They're like slightly too exposition-y, but that's kind of how it has to be to a small extent, right? Um it's it's fine. Um and I'm curious about what the plot is doing because I feel like cuz I well, one of the things it seems like I wasn't DFW anymore, but then I was mm. and I was like, "Oh, so maybe the DFW." I think that's why why I was confused with the CIA lady cuz it's like, "You've just told me DFW." And if I'm not from America, I might not quite get what, what that means. Yeah. And now you're yeah. introducing other stuff. It was just a little clunky, but um, it's enough interesting thing. That, what I like is it f- makes you feel like you are a um, Sam Neill or a Laura Dern, right? Mm. Because you, one of the things that was sh- kind of shitty about the Park Simulator version, especially because you weren't really making that in depth Park Park Simulator, is that you were just exploiting the dinosaurs, right? Right. And this is kind of like the i the, I mean, it's weird because there's still profit margins and stuff. Um, but like you're running, uh, and they call it a park, mm-hmm. which I find very strange. Um, because there's like the the one main building. If you click on it, you can close the park. I'm like, I this is a park. I thought I just it's a series of cages that I found that a poacher was using. <laughs> this is a park. Like if stuff like that, it's like like you've got license huge licensing money. Maybe put some effort into relabeling it on a couple levels or you know it's just little things like that like you could be a little tighter but it is more interesting and i like that the like it's focusing on the comfort of the dinosaurs and thus far Mm. it could give two shits about making money although and and to be honest like i made a lot of money and i didn't even notice it like right which kind of pluses and minus one i like that it's not like super capitalist like the first one but two it's like well i never really was hard up for cash and i did max out that level in a way i don't think they intended someone to do um but it was just like i never at not one point did i be like was i like oh i'm gonna have to wait a bit to spend some money but it is early days Mm -hmm. because then it's like well just give me the sandbox then like yeah 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 yeah. why are these these here if they're not actually in the way um but yeah, so so like your like that last map I did was like it introduced the expeditions and stuff, which is was in the first one as well. Except, oh, this is the thing I want to say. What I think why it works a little better is because the first one you are making dinosaurs from nothing. That's like your Jurassic parking. And what was frustrating was you couldn't really build Jurassic Park, but you were Jurassic parking. Mm-hmm. Um, here. The dinosaurs exist and you're capturing them. So the expeditions aren't for fossils where you have to get enough fossil material such that you can splice it with frog DNA to make a stegosaurus or whatever. That was kind of how the first Mm -hmm. one went. Here it's just like there's five stegosauruses and if you barely staff your expedition, you might get 
four instead of five right. or three. Some will escape. And if you overstaff it, you'll get them all. But your staff also do research. Your staff also do healing, like fixing dead dino dying dinosaurs or dinosaurs, mm. dinosaurs um, you know, injured from a fight or whatever. Um, and they have fatigue mechanic. Oh, so if you if you if you end up buying like a couple of real fancy lads and lasses, you have to you'll overwork them and they'll get frustrated. I can't remember the term, but it's they their bar goes fills up and goes red and they're like annoyed. And if they stay annoyed, they might sabotage your part. Okay, that's that's what the tooltip told me. So I just I got them to annoyed for the real like the expensive ones, and then I you put them on rest for two and a half minutes, and I have no idea if. By doing that cycle, because I got them to the red over and over, if that means they'll sabotage, I'm kind of curious to find out. Mm. Or if it means that because I put them on rest, as soon as they got frustrated, it'd be fine. But that's like a that's a very much more interesting mechanic than the price of flapjacks in the burger stand, right? <laughs> Absolutely, it makes it more, I suppose, of a resource management. Uh, kind of game than park games kind of have been because all of them are essentially just make some money uh, um, and, and money is your only kind of resource really if you don't have things spend your money and buy them uh, you you know that is how things kind of revolve in most of these games so it's really interesting they've taken this different approach and they've put this kind of different story kind of thread in to take you through not maybe not just the tutorial kind of level continuing on sort of uh you know through that so I, I like that change that they've made makes it much more interesting and of course i i imagine they've still got like sandbox mode and that kind of thing so you can if you don't want to run through all of that you can just jump into a park sort of simulator type thing just with these extra little bits like the resource management of people and things yeah, so that's the thing I'm not sure about because, but I do know that they like you've got global unlocks of stuff right. um, on the research train. I think the dinosaurs. So I think if you don't, you might be limited on what dinosaurs you can play with mm -hmm. in the sandbox until you unlock, which is a fine trade-off. I mean, most people, some people want to buy these games and just do the sandbox from day one. Yeah. But I get why people want you to play their game. Mm -hmm. um, the there. Because you brought up other modes, there is another mode that I'm really curious about, but I wanted to just go through the first, like, start the campaign and, like, learn how the game works first. Yep. Uh, and I can't remember the name of it, um, but it's essentially, like, like a set of, it's like a series of scenarios from the movies. Oh. So there's going to be, like, day one, day one, JP1, mm. oh, no, the power's gone out, what do you do scenario, and and, you know... Those little kids in little balls, um, that JP World, JP, JW1, God, <laughs> Jurassic World 1 Infinite, or whatever it's called, um, I, is, like, there's gonna be stuff like that, right, mm -hmm. where, and I'm curious about those, but I, obviously I wanted to learn a little more about the game play mechanics, also I was doing a first, like, stream, so you wanna show the game off, yeah. so you, you don't necessarily do all the dumb shit right away. Unless it involves goats. I mean, that's the thing that they've kept from Jurassic World 1 is there's like, there's actually a couple. So it used to be like you put plants and you had like plant feeders. Uh -huh. And then you had like carnivore feeders and it would just be like a little metal plate that would open up and from 
the ground, a stake would come up essentially, and then they would have to get refilled by your ranger teams on on patrol. Uh, but you also had live prey, which were always goats. And my one my favorite memories of of uh, Jurassic World Evolution One were like. So finding out how many goats I could spawn in a pen. <laughs> Just because they, they have funny animation and they like, that's fine. And then you're like, ah, fuck it. I'll put like a, a few raptors in and see what happens. But like, it, honestly, the goats are hilarious. They're just, goats are funny things. Ask the people who make goat simulators. Yes. Um, so like, I, I, I always want to give live prey to carnivores and it's all because like, I get to make goats, right? That's, was the theme in the stream, but it's also just, it's more fun. It also means you get to watch them hunt and stuff, which, because the game is quite good at, like, not letting you get bored and having to do things, I realized I was barely looking at the dinosaurs, which is my, partly my own fault and being on stream as well. It was like, oh, you guys could have gone slower mm -hmm. and, like, explored the park. But honestly, it was just like, oh, and now this, and now this, and now this. It's like, oh, okay, I got into the gameplay and so forgot that, like, one of the reasons why I, like, one of the reasons I looked forward to the first game was because it's like, ah, make a Jurassic Park and hang out in it, right? Yeah. And then, and I think also because it's not a park, I felt much, if I fell into the game loop, play loop a little easier. But I like that you still could just like take, go and take control of a vehicle, uh, of the Ranger Jeep and drive around and then go into photo mode and take pictures. Mm, nice. Yeah, yeah, I did uh, a reasonable amount of that when I played the first uh, game, especially because taking photos gives you money. So yeah. yeah, and sometimes a lot of money. Yeah, odd. Like I sold a photo but, of, for like forty thousand dollars of a dinosaur. Oh, that's like, like the standard now. Yeah, it's very strange. Even like, oh, this dinosaur has been drugged and it's being hauled off in a helicopter. There's no, <laughs> and it's like composition bonus because it's centered. I'm like, well, it's not moving. <laughs> um, and I got fucking nothing for a goat picture. <laughs> But, I mean, people seen goats. People don't need to see goats no more. They, they, they... Yeah, we've people have seen trees. That doesn't mean pictures of trees are worthless. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't well composed that picture of a goat either. To be fair. Um, yeah, so I like that. I mean, there's a there's a whole genome unlock tree that I haven't experienced yet. So I assume at some point there will be like make new dinosaurs. But I really mm. like that. It's not just make and then remix dinosaurs because I think that's well, I, I didn't. It's not why I like Jurassic Park. It's not why I like dinosaurs personally. Like so, I think that's one of the reasons why I I like I really wanted Jurassic Evolution One to be good and World Evolution One, um, and it just didn't work for me. It's, a lot of it was because the main the gameplay mechanics outside of the theme park stuff was like breeding dinosaurs with different traits and mm. a genetic thing, but like most of it. Didn't really matter unless you wanted to, like, make a really evil predator that got more crowds to get... To, yeah. There was a little bit of that tied into some of the missions, wasn't there? You know, you get a, a, a breed of dinosaur over a certain rating and, and things like that. And you had to kind of adjust their different um, bits to get them up to that kind of thing. But it never seemed that warranted that you ever had to really delve into it kind of that much but i'm glad that they've taken the second this second game in a slightly different direction because what can you do apart from a few new buildings and a few new kind of dinosaurs and stuff to you know that kind of game um 
apart from you know the the graphics of the first game were already good and from watching sort of a little bit of your stream it doesn't seem like they've diverted much from from that it doesn't look uh, uh the weather much is different, slightly better but yeah yeah and it will it will look and it will probably be running better um with a little bit more fidelity and and, and various different things but it's a similar kind of style um, so they haven't yeah. changed anything like that for it, uh, and it is fundamentally a very similar game. So I can understand why the the changes that you talked about have kind of come about, and that that's a good thing, rather than because yeah. we can all just go and play the first game because it's probably on sale for five pounds somewhere, yeah. or you've owned it through as I did through like a free Epic Store game one oh, month or right. week or something. So, um, the um. Yeah, the the thing. Oh, I lost my train of thought for a second. But um, basically, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Oh, right, that's what I say is with the level that I ended it on. Um, you had enough space to make a pen for each type, but they kind of like were like, "Hey, you know, you can put dinosaurs in their own pens in the same pens." And I felt like um, that was a nice way of being like, if you want to crank through this boring mission, you get to the next thing. You can just like ignore this. But I tried to do it, and that's actually why it took me a while. Hmm was because I had a Brachiosaurus and it was compatible with uh, these uh, things that are kind of like um, uh, Triceratops, but they're not. I can't... Taurosauruses? Taurosauruses? They they look similar just without... Like with a big plate versus horns. But they... they The species played nice, but they the Brachiosaurus really wanted both like tall nuts and uh or tall fruit and forest and these guys wanted like medium nut or something like that and i again because i'm i mean i'm curious right i just refuse like i when they were both they were not happy i made the pen bigger and then i tried to find the balance and it took ages to get to it got to the point where like Brachiosaurus is fine with forest. These guys are fine. These guys are fine. Brachiosaurus is fine with forest. Not enough medium nuts. And it's like cut some forest down, you know, like replace forest with medium nut or whatever it was, tall fruit. Um, and it was just like, but then, and I think if I just had that to do, it would have been fine because like, and it was my own mini game. I was just like, I don't want to make this bigger and just, or like split them off. I mm. want to see how to, how, what the mechanic, like how hard is it to balance an environment for compatible species is because it's not just put them both in the same pen they'll be fine they have different needs and that's a cool thing that it was clearly harder to do and i think honestly what was the hardest part was just that i didn't want to give the brachiosaurus the lone brachiosaurus a ton of space yeah and and like that's fine that was my my own choice i had the space but i was thinking long run like in the game like i should learn how to do these things mm, absolutely but in the meantime Dinosaurs were coming in from the expeditions that I kept sending scientists off on because why not? Let's find more dinosaurs. I like dinosaurs, right? And they weren't happy. And then some of them came in with medical emergencies. And so then I'd leave and then I didn't have time to, you know, the balancing of all the, like I had like six or seven different pens going and, you know, TB outbroke and blah, blah, blah. And then a storm came and knocked things out. And I was like, ah, I, I, one of the reasons why I wasn't itching to solve that last bit of the mission was because it was like, this is a very low level sense of what could go wrong in this game. Yeah. 
Um, and it was good enough. Like I enjoyed it. I wasn't trying to rush through that minute to get to the next level, even though I knew it was like, there's only so much I can do. Like I maxed out all the research I could in, in the map. And I'm pretty sure they didn't expect that to happen because who would have stayed on this map this long, <laughs> but they gave me like eight expeditions and I went on all of them and balanced. Every, I, there's nothing else I could do on that map. Uh, uh, after I re- retrieved the autosave because I let too many dinosaurs die. And and the thing is, it was mostly because I wasn't paying attention. Mm. But actually, so this is the thing. This leads me well into my critique, which is the UI is not great. Right. Uh, so one of the things is, um, what I do like is you send an expedition off and then a, a screen pops up and they're like, do you, dinosaurs are ready to be here. Do you, do you want them? And you're like, or do you want us to wait for two minutes? And you can kind of indefinitely put it off for two minutes. Like if you were, which I think is, it doesn't make sense in the real world, but it makes sense in a game that you can pause. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I don't really want to pause. I have other things going, but I'm not ready to deal with this. I haven't finished their pen. Come back in two minutes. So finish your pen. But I want to solve the TB problem in this corner. I, I, I like that it's not making me stop time, mm-hmm. even though it's like, Really, these dinosaurs are just going to chill in the uh, attached to a helicopter for over and over and over again. What are you doing? Laps, right? That doesn't make sense, but it was good. But you, you're you in the middle of something, and, and then it takes some time to come in, and then you're clicking on things, and then it's like, and then your cursor changes and says, where do you want to put the Taurosaurus? And you click in the pen. You've just put a bunch of little raptor things. <laughs> Uh, and they're like, oh, shit, I'm doing that now? And then you click the other three in the pen beside them that you just finished making for this purpose. That's why you said come. And then this guy comes in. It turns out these guys hate each other, and he kills these two little raptor things, and he's injured before you can get him tranked and moved to the new pen. And you're like, ah, oh, fuck. And, like, par- part of it, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I could have probably tranked them early or I knew kind of where I clicked and like make a pen in the pen or something, knowing that I misclicked. But I was just really I, at that point I was curious how bad could this <laughs> go. Turns out very bad. That's one of the reasons why I failed the mission. <laughs> um, but uh, the other part was just like I, this. This wasn't me being like that absent-minded. Like I know it was it was coming, but it also happened a couple other. Like it wasn't the only time. The and now you're going to pick where this. Like it's it's not like. Are you ready to pick where they land? Okay, click, click, click. It's they're coming and everything flips on you, and you just have to be kind of aware when you've told the game you're ready for dinosaurs that like, hey, the dinosaurs are going to come. Your your cursor is going to change its mode in the middle of you making a pen or like trying to. I was trying to get someone to check out these newly delivered little tiny carniv- carnivorous um, dinosaurs because yeah, I don't know if they're sick yet. So I'm actively trying to man- time manage, and then because of that. It killed things, yeah. and it's and it was just like just a bad taste. Um, the similarly, I, I feel like they didn't put a lot of effort in the keyboard mouse controls. Okay, a lot of things are button based, which makes me feel like it was optimized for a controller for consoles. But like things like I'm I'm controlling the ranger vehicle. Uh, Ranger vehicle, you can either shoot a flare or take a picture or tranquilize or whatever. There's like three things. How do you think I switch my options? A key, a button on the keyboard, I guess. A Q and E. Oh, um, to okay. go click, click, click. But it's like scroll wheel exists, or like, and there's no like. I guess the big, the big thing is like. 
There's no way I can just be like, I don't want mouse to look. Can I like hold down control and then just click on menus? No, like I I don't get to use the mouse, but it's such a menu driven game. Mm. Uh, and and like things like you have to right click to back out of things. So like if I'm in if I'm like assigned a task to a ranger mobile to like go check out that dinosaur. And then and then I'm like, "Oh, okay." And I use my mouse in its various ways like holding right click moves you around and, you know, uh whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh WASD kind of can move your camera as well. Like I do all those things and then I try and click on a thing. It's like, "Oh, I'm still in the ranger mobile." Um menu so all this clicking i've done to move around and me trying to click on something else i cannot click on another thing until i i get out of the ranger menu right and to do that i have to right click to back out of any menu just override it with your new selection yeah and but also the right clicking to back out is like has a slight has a bit of a lag it's like right click wait did that work oh okay it did and so like everything just feels clunkier than it should be especially for this developer knowing that they made planet coaster and all these other games mm. like and it's like this this game should feel like a dream with the mouse and keyboard it's the genre that's like ideal for yeah. it instead it feels clunky and i think it's because they've they've made design decisions on the controller mm-hmm. that that like engine wise won't let you do normal things with the mouse and keyboard yeah, it's kind of frustrating yeah. Which is why I think I was so annoyed when I like accidentally dropped the big um, Torosaurus onto onto the in the wrong place because it's just like, oh, of course the UI screwed up, right? <laughs> like I was already kind of getting annoyed all throughout, um, and like there's little things like it's like my task is to make sure everything has eighty percent comfort. Mm-hmm. I have a man- I have a button that says management views and there's no like management view of here's the list of your dinosaurs and like oh. their generic conditions. What I can do is hit M for map, which then zooms out bird's eye view and makes it look like a blueprint. Yep. And you have like lit up icons yellow for the power stations and whatever. And then there's little circles for each dinosaur. And then in that view I can hover over them right. and it'll say comfort level health on and a little pop-up or needs to be looked at because that's one of the things that i i didn't realize was one of my pens i forgot to assign a ranger and they were actually absolutely fine it's just i had sent a ranger to them but i didn't make a patrol station and the reason why i was stuck in that map for so long one of them was these guys weren't hadn't been checked in on oh, right. so they were needing to be checked in but that means according to the game logic not all of the dinosaurs were at 80% or above, but these guys were at 100%, but they weren't checked, yep. which is fine. That's It's just... So the game didn't know that they were at 100 The game knew that well, they the, were at 100%, but the... Well, the game... The game knew that I didn't know if they were at 100%. Yeah. yeah. Right? And it's like, I get that. That's interesting, and I like that that i'm fine with learning that on the on the on the fly like i don't need to be handheld it's just like oh okay but also it was really hard to tell that was the case because when you click on a ranger thing like basically like even the emergency shelters have footprints that tell you or 
like the powers if you click on the power thing at a power station it'll give you the footprints of all the other power mm-hmm. stations if you click on the ranger thing it'll give you the footprints of all. but there's no easy way to be like oh yes what does what do my ranger station ranges are like it's it, there's no easy way to get to that information the emergency shelter you click on one and then the pathways that you've built will be in green or red or whatever but you have to then zoom out to see if there's anything in red to say they need an emergency shelter here yep but the only way I think to get into that view is to click on an emergency shelter, which by definition, if you've missed a bit, won't be near yes. the bit. Like it's it's little things like that where it's like this UI is really cumbersome and you have like a management view console that doesn't give any of the stuff that I seem to need. Well, it gives some, obviously it's not like those there's like three views, but they don't really do they're like park management type stuff. They're not like footprint map stuff but almost all of these early buildings i've got are like based on you need to have a power station with power station coverage they'll have a footprint and this power station will service this area um and that's it and what i kind of like about it is they run out of fuel and have to pay to refuel them that's it okay which because you're in remote places it kind of makes sense but it also there's also not a good warning until you run out of power (laughs) really especially in the remote sides right there's and there's no like quick button i can hit to be like show me oh what's my power like i should be able to just hit p and or like get a pop-up yeah. of a report or something and so it's little things like that that are more way more frustrating than they should be and then then i don't remember it being this cumbersome mm. especially like the, the like i can't remember exactly how the clicking and stuff worked on the first one maybe i just wasn't as annoyed then as I am now, but like it didn't, I don't remember feeling this aggravated with the UI and like having to navigate it. Right. Cause the problem isn't, I'm the problem shouldn't be. I can barely tell if this is a problem, even when I'm looking for it, the problem <laughs> should be I'm too busy and I forgot to keep yes. track of power. And now the power has gone out and the dinosaur, this dinosaur is left human error. Like, so yeah. So like one of the things I did was I made a staging pen to drop, um, dinosaurs in because again when you it says pick up a taurosaurus and like okay and then you go into your dinosaur encyclopedia and like oh i don't have any information about them because they haven't landed in my park yet but that means i don't know what they need to make their pen before they get here okay that's an interesting mechanic i guess it's weird but sure so then i was like well there's no point in me making a bunch of pens and then i'll just make a small one find out what they need and then fill in the big one but also if they're sick the the staging pens near the medical facility that was my idea of design mm. right except uh i realized i had to invent i accidentally sent two uh like missions out so it's like oh i better make quickly make a new pen um f- for the next guys and that's when i ended up having the one guy the going the wrong thing, thing. Right? yeah but, but the the thing is when i was dealing with trying to make the small carnivores not like all die I lost track of the fact that I gave these guys no food nor water and then got pissed off and broke through the fence. And like, that's the kind of stuff I want. That's, that was my own hubris and fault, right? I was like, I've outthought you game. I'll make staging areas because that way I don't have to pause the game and yep. fix the thing once they land. And it's like, no, I just made it so that they got landed and were really pissed off. Cool. <laughs> I made one of them kill a bunch of little dinosaurs and then the rest of them hungry, confused and angry. Oops. <laughs> Great. But that that was fun, right? That was me bouncing yeah. back from a mistake. Um, it's just when the game... And so that's what I want, right? But it, it is weird to me that I can't look up 
even like its genetic name. So it's like Taurosaurus. Oh, is that one of the genuses that clicking on this guy, it says, so I, I, I put things in that with the Taurosauruses with the Diplodocuses at first, because I'm like, oh, they're kind of like Ceratops. Sure. And then they were all not happy. So then I moved them into the pen with the Brachiosaurus, because I found out that the Brachiosaurus was allowed. And I feel like I should be able to plan that before they land, stuff like that, because it's just like, the the compatibility is just a list of names, and it's like, okay, it's this dinosaur, but it's not the list of the dinosaur names, it's a list of their genus or whatever, right. of their species. Okay. And it's like, that's not, that's a really dumb gate that makes me make minor mistakes that doesn't feel mm-hmm. good, it feels dumb. Because I, I went and I looked it up and I'm like, ah, yes, this, this looks like this type. Oh, it's not? Fuck. But, like, if I'm a Department of Fish and Wildlife per- people, well, person, like, this information is knowable. Yeah. And I get, like, the the comfort stuff and, like, oh, actually, it turns out this needs more medium cover or medium nuts or whatever. I'm fine with learn- not having all that information on hand. But I feel like telling me they're compatible with these things, but then the type of those things not being accessible while I'm, like, get more. If It just feels, like, arbitrarily... Mm cutting me off of information yeah yeah uh, and as you say in a, in a real world situation that information would be available um you've you've in fact in the game you have lots of dinosaur experts popping in to tell you various things where are their notebooks all of the te- every te- well, and every i'm hiring scientists textbook that exists ever <laughs> yeah and i'm hiring scientists who are supposed to be experts on some stuff and it's like well no one knows that a, that this isn't a, like again, and it's like I know, I know that these the, these things, this thing is only compatible with these things, mm-hmm. and I'm getting that. And as soon as the one of their feet touch the ground, I know that is actually from that genus. But until then, just random dinosaurs roaming the earth. Yeah. No, no one knows anything about them. None of them were made. Uh, obviously, they're all completely. No natural and stuff like this. So there's no information. Can never be found. And uh, but like once they touch ground in in your weird area of of Washington State, suddenly, you know all of the That's breeds exactly. of dinosaurs are compatible yep. with. Yeah. <laughs> um, a weird, a weird note. But I think a good yeah. a good place for us to uh, finish on uh, Jurassic World Evolution Two. Yeah. Yeah. Um got it in one, we'll say. <laughs> let's open up another beer. Yeah, let's do. That. Uh what have we got next? Uh I've got this one. It is Oh, nice. So, mess with the Yorkshire stout from Northern Monk. So it's a 5.5% stout. It has no flavor text, but a lovely tin. It's got the sort of slightly brassy, coppery mm. text. Nice big uh, no um, lettering. Just a solid, good old-fashioned uh, Northern Monk tin. Nice. It's. Uh, I yeah. think this Don't Mess With Yorkshire um, branding has become a bit of a series for them. Because there's yeah, definitely been other so. beer styles that that name has, has been on. Um, not just stats. I'm sure I've had like a pale that was called that at some point. Um, yeah, there, there is. A, it was an eight percent dipper with golden promise. Mm-hmm. Well, there we go. Oh, and they've also had a pale ale and rhubarb custard. Yes, edition. that's the one. 
Yes. Mm. Um, again, that was a supermarket beer, I think. But anyway, I digress slightly. Um, well, talking mm. about supermarket beers, I don't digress. I have a beer that's, I mean, it's not quite Ooh. the same as yours in terms of its kind of graphics and colours, but similar. Um, but it's, uh, it's an Arbor beer, but a made for Marks and Spencer's Arbor beer. Um, I didn't know that that's where Arbor was selling the words. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, they've got some in Sainsbury's now. Uh, and uh, unlike the Arbor cans that you buy in the bottle shop or anywhere else, it is only 440ml. So it's mm. a supermarket beer. Uh, but it is salted caramel billionaire stout. So there we go. We'll see uh, um, mm. what this is. Uh, How heavy is it? Sorry, percentage, ABV. <laughs> uh, it's 6%. Um, it says crafted not by billionaires, but by Bristol Craft Brewers Arbor. This decadent stout cleverly takes five flavorsome malts to recreate the ultimate billionaire's shortbread in a can. Complex layers of sweet caramel, buttery shortbread, and smooth chocolate with a rich, uh, with a smooth, rich finish. Malt, biscuit malt, and chocolate malt. Interesting. Uh, oh, it's got lactose in as well. So it's a milk stout. Hmm. Um, or as they say, just stout with lactose. Um, sea salt and flavoring. Is it wild who do the millionaire and billionaire stouts yeah. as well? So interesting that we've got now someone else very much using that name um, for a mm. similar style kind of beer. So yeah, let's just see how that is. But two two stouts to roll in with our second beers, and if you're sorted and poured, we'll come back to you. Yeah, um, it's dark. Expected. Yeah, no one is shocked. Um, it poured quite a, quite frothy actually, which is why I didn't finish pouring the full cup. Um, actually, very similar. Uh, the head is creamier and thicker than the last one, but surprised that they are that that similar mm. again you can see that it's floating on top kind of in the same way it's just a bit thicker um it's quite it's nice and sweet on the nose um but it's got like toffee i want to say underneath nice. a nice toffee sweetness um Slight, slight burnt acridity, just, just ever mm-hmm. so much. Hmm. That burnt is definitely there, and only slight. Hmm. Hmm. Go back in. Hmm. Got to make sure the rest of that um, mosaic New England pale ale thing is out. I like how effervescent this is, mm. even, even though it's a stout. Um, it's just got just enough bubbles to help bring out the flavor, which is also, I mean, it's five and a half percent, so not super heavy for a stout, uh-huh. but it's um, it's it's enough to feel a little thicker, um, so it feels more stouty. Texture wise, um, taste wise, it's good. It's it's a little. Oh no! I was gonna say light, but that's not right. Um, 
the finish has got this like lovely burnt slight acridity that I noticed in the nose as well. And then some nice malty, I want to say leaning towards the chocolatier side of coffee. Mm-hmm. That makes yeah. sense. Like just a hint of chocolate, but like it's it's a little fuller. Uh, um, so it just like sits really well in your mouth afterwards. The initial, the rest, the initial taste is got a peak of sweetness. Um, Oh, so I'm really liking the like just the beginning of the finish. It's just this like nice, slightly, slightly burnt, um, boisterous sort of coffee-ish note. Again, chocolatey coffee note, um, in the malts, and then and then that fades, and then that that burnt just stay gets a little more acrid. Or rather, you notice how the burnt taste isn't fading with the mm-hmm. rest. Um, mm, yeah. This is one of those beers that has a nice long finish. Um and is quite full in flavor, so like you, you on paper it should be one of those ones you nurse. Mm. But there's that that transition is so delightful to me right now that it's like I just want to keep drinking yeah. it to get cuz it's like it's not the long part of the of the finish that I am liking the most, which means it doesn't matter how long the finish is, I just I want to have that again. We'll see if it sits. I'm gonna attempt to not pound it back. <laughs> give, me, give it a moment. I know you'll be you'll be sort of silent. I know you're not tasting it to then describe. So yeah. you get a little bit of time, and you'll you'll sit while I do mine. But yeah, we'll see if I get to the end of uh, you know describing my bear, and yours is just gone. Um, <laughs> but uh, oh, of course, mine's a stout. It's it's going to be very similar to yours in kind of color but the the mm. head didn't pour similarly to yours it wasn't kind of that nice foamy one it was actually really carbonated mm. and whilst the head sort of poured at maybe sort of two two and a half fingers it disappeared really really quickly like just just fizzed off uh, but when i cracked that mm. can i got lovely lovely chocolate notes as soon as i cracked it big big chocolate sweet sort of nose and when you get your when you get your nose into the glass as well that chocolate is there, but you, you, you do get that caramel instantly as well. Um, mm. you would absolutely say that this was, you know, as it, as it said, it's a, it's a chocolatey caramel beer, definitely. Interestingly, whilst the beer fizzed a lot when I poured and that head disappeared, it's not that carbonated when I'm drinking it. It's, there's a, there's a, mm. A very, very slight hint. Again, like it was a little bit of carbonation, but just maybe to to boost that flavour a little bit. But this is really really kind of wet. Mm. Um it's not it's not dry. It's it's wet and it's quite I mean not watery, but it's it's quite a thin beer. Uh, again, it's, it's another kind of like supermarket offering, which isn't a big, big beer. And I can understand again, this was about three quid again. So coming in at that kind of price point, yeah, you're brewing at, you know, certain volumes and things to kind of get down mm. to that. But it feels like a paired back arbor stout. Um, a little thinner. The flavor doesn't quite punch as much um, as it did in the nose. 
Mm. Getting chocolate. Getting that sort of instant hit of of nice, kind of more milky chocolate as well. Don't you? You kind of you do get a, a sort of a dark chocolate note in there as well. But there's this sweetness that sort of kicks in first with it, and that sweetness disappears quite quickly, and leads more to a sort of nice dark chocolate uh, um, kind of flavour. It's almost a um, like a little bit of a, like a hot chocolate kind of flavour to it. Um, but there is that little sweetness, that little hint of caramel in there as well. Um, and it does have a biscuity sort of backbone to it. But again, that's really light as well. And the chocolate flavour sort of dominates over everything else, which is okay. But I'm not getting, you know, chocolate and caramel and a nice biscuity kind of base, all in equal measure. You know, when you have a billionaire sort of shortbread, it's basically all biscuit. And then a, a very thin layer of caramel, a very thin layer of chocolate. So they are used kind of more sparingly. This feels a little bit opposite. That It's almost, you know, more kind of chocolate and then thin layers of the other things instead of it being the other way around. So it, it doesn't quite, for me, it's not quite a billionaire's sort of shortbread, um, you know, amalgam. It's not the, quite the same as mm. that, just because those flavours don't quite balance out as you would expect. But it's a, a very reasonable kind of stout. Very easy to drink. And it'd be one that I would more than happily kind of sit and have on a, you know, like a, a, a very wet, windy sort of Sunday afternoon, uh, um, to just kind of kick back with for, you know, for, for a little bit. But it's not one that I would kind of bring along if we were going to hang out and be like, Hey, try this stout. It's amazing. Um, it, it's, hmm. it's, it's definitely one where it's kind of like, ah, yeah, I'll, I'll pick one of those up. Sure. Why not? I can, I can have that. But there are definitely, I wouldn't say better supermarket stouts out there. Um, I don't think I've had a huge amount of supermarket kind of uh, stouts. But as always, with all of these beers, supermarket beers are great. Just if you want to pick up a couple, go to the bottle shop because there's amazing beers. Amazing beers by Arbor, amazing beers by Burnt Mill at the, at the bottle shop that will be better than these. Um, again, both beers feel just paired back too much to maybe meet that price point and that demand um sort of from the from the supermarket but we'll talk a little bit more about this maybe in, in a moment when i sort of when we round up our beers i am mm. going to keep drinking it excellent i mean it sounds very lovely i mean it is it is again it just needs more just needs yeah, that's more that's what i mean I guess that's what I meant. Like it sounds lovely. Like all, like like all it checks a bunch yes. of boxes, and then you're still like not satisfied. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it sounds lovely. It might not taste yeah. as lovely as you want it to. We'll yeah. move back into games now and drink these. Um, I've 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 done nothing. I've played nothing. I've had no time. <laughs> I've worked almost every evening. Um, work is kicking my ass at the moment, so I've found no time to to do very much. I did play a touch of. At Streets of Rage 4, 
just because I'm like, oh, I'll go back. Ah, oh, just because you Yeah, yeah. I'll go back and play that for a little bit. I played a touch of Crusader Kings 3, just because, uh, you know, after Adam put out Adam. his um, article and we had him on the podcast, I, you know, played a, played a touch of that, but that's it. Do you get into, how, so, I mean, people might get tired of this, but I, I, I finished Inscription last week. Uh, oh. Obviously. Might have played a bit of inscription. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that might be the case. Uh, I just know you played more of it earlier, like quite, quite soon after our podcast with Lucy gone. Yes. Um, and us not wanting to spoil it because you haven't finished no. it. We might not say a lot, but I am curious. Well, have you, you will know if you've finished an act. Have you finished act one? Uh, oh, yeah. Yes. So there's yeah after after playing you know what seemed like the standard kind of game, you're then presented with I like to call it the slay like, the spire <laughs> game. <laughs> so yes, you have that. There's then this kind of like interlude, which was interesting, and then it jumps you into yeah. a, a, a different kind of game, but with similar kind of get card based kind of mechanics it just it just it presents yeah. it in a different way um yeah and yes i've done I like to think i've of done it. that for a bit there was mm. then another interlude oh so you did do that okay excellent and then i'm on to the same bit but a more bit more of it oh okay so i don't yeah. know how so much you... more there is to go so the interlude is like the ar overall urging mm. sort of narrative plot stuff that is uh, basically just hitting, hitting play in a bunch of movies. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of. Um, but so you are still in the same world as you were before, yes. right? Like you, you're just, you, yeah, you haven't finished that, that stuff. Bit. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we, well, are you, we'll go into this in more detail with Lucy and, and when Oh, absolutely. Finish, when, uh, when I, when I'm done, we'll definitely do like a big spoiler yeah. cast, I think. Uh, for uh, it. Yeah. But, uh, are you enjoy, did you enjoy it despite like, like this is the bit that's a little controversial. I think you've probably heard about it, but like it stops being a roguelite is the, it's the thing that some people were annoyed. Oh, okay. At. Um, yeah. Uh, um, there's then a sense, I suppose. Yes, it does stop being a roguelite completely. And if you yeah, if, you, if you lose, it is in you fact can just do game, it again. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I I'm, I'm not bothered by that. I didn't even really think Plug about it. it when I was playing it through. I think I just thought, okay, cool. I'll just try that again. Um, and I yeah. did so. It's exactly yeah. what I did, and I didn't even clue in. It wasn't until I I sort of clocked that like it's it's a collectible card game, not a roguelike yep. card game. That's what this act two is. And I was like, oh yeah. And then I was like, oh, okay. That has its own interesting, given that you know you're not now like possibly finishing with areas, it's a very interesting twist because, you know, at some point you're the, the power, lo like, like the problem with collectible card games as a longtime magic player or was one in my youth and more recently again, um, is there's a sense where you can solve a format. If no one else's deck changes. Yes. You get more cards. You will more likely, more likely win over yep. time, which is a really great way of continuing the spirit of the roguelike in this narrative section. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, excellent, cool. Well, then we'll stop talking about that, except to say, do you agree that people should just play? Oh, that game? it's fantastic! Absolutely, I, I've really enjoyed it. 
so far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, right. So you played that, uh, and then what was it? A little bit of um, in your life? <laughs> a little bit of um, Streets of Rage 4. Again, just, just dipped Four, back yeah. into that just to... Uh, just to play a little bit more, because it's very easy sort of playing. Uh, Maniac Crusader Kings 3, which again, easy playing, but on a much larger sort Different of scale. scale. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's it for me this week. So I know, Adol, there was something else that you wanted to, to touch on, but uh, maybe well, wasn't, you know, Activision being shit and Bobby Kotick being a cunt. Uh, yeah, but... I mean, I was avoiding that. We'll mention it. We'll just, we'll just, we'll mention yeah. it. I was avoiding that mostly because I didn't want to be sad because the it doesn't seem like the fact, even though Bobby's been found out about knowing all these terrible things, company's still standing behind him, doesn't matter. And that's just depressing to talk about. Um, I recommend people watch the Jimquisition of this week. This week, yeah. No, it was this week, yeah. It's this week. Yeah. Because um, it's a good rundown of all the things that he definitely knew about and how it doesn't matter. Including like fucking up and not informing the board and the star, uh, the shareholders, yeah. important integral informations about, like, not just because sexual assault and and things are bad, but also they're dangerous for the share price, so they're legally obliged to. It doesn't matter. Um, in fact, that's one of the court cases currently <laughs> against them. Anyway, um, but it's it, it's one of those again. It's it's kind of this weird space that we are in as a people, this odd 24-hour news cycle kind of world that we live in, right? We see it at the moment in the UK with MPs and the whole issue around second jobs and the idea that that, that, that they can lobby very easily and put people in for contracts and these kinds of things based upon the second jobs that they have. And big bit of blew up last week. Ain't nobody talking about it now. It's, it's gone. No one, no one seems to care that some MPs uh, have like second jobs. That's because the other stuff has happened. Boris yeah. Johnson loves Peppa Pig or some fucking stupid nonsense. No, I think the latest thing is the fact that they're trying to gut the NHS and probably. No, I mean again, again, cyclical. Oh, I know. I was going to say I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's the bill that's on the table now. But my point is, the jobs seem to be a big deal, and then this week they. People aren't talking about it, so I don't have any faith that it matters that people are noticing how bad the thing for the NHS is. Exactly, but it's almost, it's the same. We're seeing the same sort of thing in other industries, like in gaming, where, you know, and again, Sony, Xbox, and uh, Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo have all come out saying, this is troubling fucking stuff. We'll be talking with Activision very, um, you know, a, a lot about what's going on with this. And then, we get another story about how someone is suing Sony for um, workplace discrimination. It, it's everywhere. It's every fucking company. It's every entity. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's one of those that, again, in a week's time, no one's going to be fucking talking about it. Apart from us <laughs> and, yeah. and 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 uh, Jim Stephanie Sterling and, and, a, and a couple of other people. Um this is this is kind of how it goes, you know. The, the people that are thinking and playing Call of Duty, eighty eighty five percent of them got no idea. Fifty percent of them don't 15% care. Fifty percent are like, yeah, <laughs> great. You put them women in their place, even though these women are making the <sighs> shitty game that you yes. love. Um, that's interesting. 
Uh, I'm glad you brought Call of Duty up because oh. uh, the thing I was going to ask, um, because was are are there games you're looking forward to playing this holiday season under the idea that you will have time? Um, because we had both spoke about um, missing playing FPSs with with friends, and we were talked about Battlefield, and now Battlefield's out, Call of Duty is out, and Halo is mm. out, and with that, all that just sort of happened. But also, uh, people are really liking Halo, which is on Game Pass. Uh, I haven't heard fuck all about Call of Duty, and I've heard really not great things about Battlefield. Weird, right? It's a weird kind of time and and again um coming back to jurassic world evolution 2 um frontier did come out and say that the sales in the first week hadn't been great but didn't see that game advertised at all i i I saw it i saw it nowhere suddenly it was like oh it's coming out next month it's like oh cool all right and then it's out i i didn't know it was coming out or even in the books until you were like, Hey, we're getting a code for this. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. I will have things to say if it's anything like the first one. And hopefully it's better. And yeah. 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 And, um, but yeah, I, I literally didn't know it was coming out. And I think part of that is like, I wasn't exactly looking out for it. Cause I wasn't enthralled with the first one, but I'm really shocked that like, I did. Absolutely. Know. I feel like, yeah, same thing happened with that stupid Terry Gilliam film that he blamed. Did you hear about this? No, not Terry Gilliam. The other one. Oh, am I getting the wrong? Oh, yeah, he's dead. Blahals. Um, What's his name? Well, which one what was the it? fuck is his name? Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott. Why do I think Terry I Gilliam? I have no idea. Blaming millennials and mobile phones for no one going to watch his movie. Oh, you know why? It's because he's not dead, is he? Uh, Terry Gilliam uh, came out with saying that he he made an uh, um, uh, an NFT, and I got my oh, stupid no, things Harry. directors have said in the past two days confused. Um, yeah, Ridley Scott basically made a um, medieval thing with Adam Driver and Matt Damon. I saw one ad for it in mm-hmm. this year, and I was like, oh, I didn't even really clock it was a Ridley Scott nope. film. It was just like. Uh, and no one saw it, and he's blaming millennials and their cell phones, like an like like a fucking stereotypical old man yelling at clouds. Like it was, and it, but like they're also your like okay, so they're your customer. Like I don't know how I I've forgotten how we got here, but like even if it were I the remember. case, we, the we were reminded of it. Don't worry. Oh yeah, yeah, I got that again. Yeah, but anyway, even if it were the case that. Um, it, millenniums are to blame for not going to the movies to see your your movie because they're on their cell phones or whatever. Also, it's like it doesn't even make sense what you mean but about millennials on their cell phones. Do you mean that they don't watch movies because they're watching YouTube or TikTok? I don't know. Makes sense. Makes sense, you old man. Um, but like, <laughs> even if that were the case, what you're saying is the art I make is not appealing to the people I want to consume it. Because if you are not making it for millennials, it doesn't matter what they're doing on their phones. You've actually said you want them to watch it, but are blaming them for not being enticed by your film. Like These types of arguments are so... I am so up my own ass because I was successful for a long time. I haven't noticed that 
20 year olds aren't like the 20 year olds who watch Dalian are the 50 year olds now right like and the 20 year olds who are now might not like yep, your shit absolutely. and that's okay but you have to be okay with that like it's just this weird dissonance notion of like I know they're different because I'm going to yell at them about their phones but also not know that because they're different I might not have the same cultural cachet with, with young, young people. Absolutely. And I wonder if it's the same with Battlefield and Call of Duty now. You know, we, we, we've cycled through tons of Call of Duty. There's one every year. It's a Call of Duty game every single year. And again, this year, I haven't seen it advertised that much. So the, I think, I don't know whether it was last year or the year before when suddenly everyone's like, Activision spent 50 million advertising Call of Duty. And they're like, wow, oh, that seems silly. I mean, did it? Because that fucking last game probably sold a lot more than this game has. I don't have any stats. I cannot, I cannot say that full fact at all. Um, but I would imagine that advertising works, strangely enough. Um, and Battlefield, again, is it hubris and be like, Battlefield's back, baby. And they're just not advertising it really at all and going, Oh shit, we, we should, we, this, this game's like six months off of release, but put it out because this is when we put Battlefield games out. It's got to go out now. It's in this fiscal year. We've got to do it. Call of Duty's come out. So just release it. And they've gone, fuck. Yeah. However, Halo, no one expected that to drop last week or 10 days ago, whenever it did. And supposedly, I haven't played it yet, but supposedly it's amazing. And everyone is just absolutely loving it. I and mean, it's definitely, as, as your um, kind of question uh, led into this, uh, things we're sort of looking forward to. I, I think Halo, I will try and and I will see if that keeps me or, or, or has that same FPS pull uh, of games that, um, that you and I kind of enjoy. Um, see if that yeah. kind of does it or pick up Battlefield maybe in three months time when it's been patched to hell and it's a completely different kind of game. Uh, but... Uh, it's, none of those are the games I'm kind of looking forward to. Uh, my brother has bought me Resident Evil Village. Uh, Resi oh. 8. Um, bought it for my birthday. I haven't seen him yet. So I'm seeing him in a couple of weeks. So he's going to give it to me then. Um, so I'm, I booted up and I have not played in any way, but I've, I've opened it, uh, Resi 7 just to, ah. See, I mean, I, I made the guy go in the loft. It says, go in the loft. And I'm like, cool, I'll go in the loft. So I'm in the loft. Mm. Um, I've done no more than that. So I've done all the, the first, you know, maybe like a, an hour or something like that to, to start that game off. Um, and I thought, while I'm waiting for Resi 8, I will play a little bit of Resi 7. You know, it's going to have similar kind of vibes in terms of its first person. I mean, they're spiritual successors. Yes, yes. Right? Because they're not actual. You're the same character. You are the same character. Oh, are you? It is, it is a sequel. Um, oh, I thought it no, was. No, it some is. Reason. But you're going from this kind of, I think the, from the, from seven, at least so far from this, like hills have eyes kind of, setting you know bayou kind of you're in a house and all this kind of thing to then the much more dramatic kind of setting of something like resi 4 it's a little bit more baroque uh, um it's a little bit more far-fetched in the characters and things uh, that are kind of being presented to you and stuff that 
I might play Resi 7 until I get Resi 8 and then just sack it off and be like, cool, that, that's got me in the mood for playing kind of Resi 8, even though I'm, I'm already kind of in the mood for playing sort of Resi 8, I think. Um, it's just won a lot of awards at, um, Golden Joystick. Is it Golden Joystick or? Yeah, maybe or the Game Informer one. I can't remember. Whichever one has just come out in the last couple of days. Uh, it won like Game uh, of the Year yeah, really and a, a, a bunch of, a bunch yeah. of awards. So, uh, I'm kind of very much in the mood for that. I think that will be the winter game that I put sort of time into when I have time to play something. Is, is there anything Excellent. that you've I mean, got great. on the backlog or anything that's, kind of come out this year that you haven't picked up yet that you're sort of excited um, for? I, so, uh, yeah, sort of. Um, I, I've i been meaning to play The Outer Wilds and the oh, people yes. talk about the DLC um, was made me, reminded me about my curiosity about that game. Uh, I think Lucy might kill me if I don't play <laughs> Oberdin. Uh, and I've been thinking about it. Uh, like I even spent, even after saying, "Boy, it's not gripping enough," I uh, grabbed my Switch. I was in bed and I played another like twenty minutes of reading uh, Hermitage thing. And I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm in the mood for this type of game because I like I'm st- I, I like so something getting like an Ace Attorney mm. is is an idea I have just because. I know those are quality games and they're this type of game that I clearly want, but they're lauded for the yep. writing. And I've played the like OG one when it was on the DS mm. and liked it. So, and it has more of the actual like detective mechanics that I was hoping Hermitage would. Um, so it's things like that. Um, oh, there was another one. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying uh, playing a race or two of Forza oh, yeah. a day. Uh, oh, Paradise Killer is the one that I've uh, uh, I have. Uh, I'm going to try and play again. I'm I'm feeling more of these like intellectually gameplay mechanicy, like not even uh, necessarily strategy, but like thinking your way through detective gamey, solvey yeah. um, type games. Uh, so. Uh, but, but one of the reasons I asked that question of you is because I kind of do want to be bad at, uh, uh, FPS with mm. my friends and like, but like right now it's like between Forza doing the arcadey sort of quick in and out type game, um, and looking for these like detective type games. That's the only thing that's not being, the itch that's not being scratched, scratched. Like even Outer Wilds, yeah, it's probably a little more. It's still like kind of a narrative puzzly. Like that's why people are interested in in a type game. Uh, so I'm just yeah, that's sort of where I'm at. Is like I want more. Um, I I you know I joked about playing all the GTA's. Mm. <laughs> um, I still kind of wouldn't mind doing that, <laughs> but like really, I'm not. Uh, in, in the sense of, but like Forza's scratching the itch that was right. for. Which is playing like like just generic dip in dip out blockbuster, kill some time type mm-hmm. games, and now I'm, I'm uh, and what I really don't miss though is playing games with my friends. Absolutely, and I think Halo would uh, afford us the opportunity to, considering it's on Game Pass, uh, and yeah, all of us have it. We could hate it, but then we will have lost. Absolutely, whatever, exactly right? that, exactly. Yeah. And I think it's one again. You know, uh, Lucy isn't a big. 
multiplayer kind of person. But I think something like that, especially if the two of us are going to be like, hey, it's like a lunchtime. Do you fancy just playing a little bit? That she would be very up for a kind of jumping in as well. So, Like when we played um, Thingy, uh, Back for Blood. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was great. And it was like, not just the two of us, it was fine. It, it, was, it was like, all oh, right, I like yeah. this. Um, and like earlier this year, earlier this, do you remember that earlier this year we played Outriders? <laughs> did you remember I that? I did, but only because it's got some DLC coming out, which I did see yeah. advertised. A game I have seen an advert for is the free Outriders like update, like come and play our game again, please. Yeah, what a weird <laughs> state of affairs. Um, I really liked that game for like five yeah. hours or whatever. Um, but again, a lot of that was like I liked playing with you, mm. and I, except for like I think I was playing catch up one day and so played a few missions without you or something or vice versa. Except for that, it was like wow. Well, and Absolutely. same thing, like I've had. Ha- I have mentioned I have like a, an urge to play an RPG. Just said RPG, like a Canadian. Um, <laughs> I'm playing too much Moon. Sorry, really I'm playing too much Moonglow Bay. Uh, oh, I should play more Moonglow Bay. I haven't played that. That's a Moonglow G- G- Bay is is the game that made me be like, oh, Lucy was right. I should have pre-ordered a Steam Deck because <laughs> uh, I really I, every time I grab my Switch and I'm in bed, I'm like, oh, I want to play that fishing yep. game. Oh, I can't play that fishing game. Um. Uh, what was I saying? Doesn't matter. I've, I've lost it. I've lost it all. Ben, I've lost it all. Um, That's all right. That's okay. Bit of Halo. Bit of oh, R- RPG. RPG. Right. There you go. Um, yeah, so like I said, I, I, I kind of want to play. I had a harking, felt like playing an RPG, but um, it's more more so so that like then I thought immediately, ah, oh, wish we could play Final Fantasy fourteen. I'm like, oh right, I just want to play games with my yes. friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I see, I see what this loop is. Uh, I was like, oh yeah, we can't play another RPG. Oh, we know it was a fun RPG. That one where I played with the, the that one with I'm not playing by myself. And you've got, I remember, it was maybe not last year, the year before, you picked up. Like the Outer Worlds, not the Outer Worlds, but the Outer Worlds, which again is like a is, yeah. is an RPG, much more sort of Fallouty kind of uh, um, setting and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, I think you've probably got in your library plenty of like single player RPGs that you could kind of lean into. But again, like you, I'm at the moment I want to play like Inscription, and then I want to play games with my friends. If I'm gonna play, if I'm gonna play Battlefield, it's gonna be with people. I'm not just gonna pick it up and play it by myself. I don't want to do that. Uh, same with like Call of Duty. I haven't played Call of Duty in years, so uh, that one's out the door. But Halo Infinite, I haven't even thought about it. I haven't touched it. I haven't gone into the multiplayer. It would be if you said, "Hey, do you have like Tuesday lunchtime? Do you have an hour free yeah. Tuesday lunchtime?" Yes, I do. Let's play it. Done. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we all want, I yeah. think, during the winter months. Maybe that's part of it as well, isn't it? You're not, not going out quite as much. Uh, You're not sort of seeing people and sitting in the park and hanging out and, and seeing friends so much. So suddenly, mm. gaming online with friends becomes a bit of a nice social outlet to to, to lean into. And, and that's like when we were playing Battlefield 1, 
for you know absolutely ages that was from like what october until the new year at least uh, when you know for, 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 oh, for months that we were, we yeah. were playing that and that was yeah. over the kind of the autumn winter early spring um in, in into you know into the summer sort of thing so it was through those kind of like darker months we're like yes this is this is what gives me my social interaction right now with humans and as all of us lent into during that like first lockdown last year like let's all play like yeah. jackbox or do a quiz or have, just to speak and see someone something. or yeah. something yeah uh cool let's finish there this evening nice little uh, ranty conversation to finish out on this week. Uh, Adol, we'll come back to you first for the two beers that you mm. had. Is there a preference to very different beers? Yeah. I, I, oddly, I hadn't... Sorry, I've got some recency bias. I'm like, I've really enjoyed these last few sips of the, the Don't Mess With Yorkshire mm. Stout. Um, it got the, like, coffee... Slightly with the slightly burnt aftertaste, just once it like saturated my palate, just it got a lot better. The coffee, malt, the malty coffee taste has gotten fuller and yeah. rounder. But like, I still has that hint of sweetness off the top. But like, I'm now struggling to remember what the Frank the Tank tastes right, like. Okay. Um, which I think is, I mean, it's a problem with going for something that like this, even though it's only five and a half percent stout, it's, it's like nice full bodied. Mm. And like one of the things I recall saying I liked about the Frank the Tank was it was quite light without being weak. Mm-hmm. Um, I can kind of use the word fluffy to talk about its, uh, effervescence, <laughs> but, um, and so now I'm worried that I'm just going to say the Northern Monk because it's, it's a bigger beer and it, I had it yep. second. Um, Oh right, this is the mangoey straw colored <laughs> hazy thing, right thing. I needed it to hold the can. It was like some weird sort of like science fiction show flashback, like yep. he touches it. Um I really liked it. I, I haven't had a lot from uh Bullhouse. Mm-hmm. I I would definitely on the basis of this I I would definitely seek out more from them. Um I do think that I mean, it's a it's it's a five percent pale ale. It's 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 oh, it has sour cherry puree and plum puree. Oh, it must be the, 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 some of that berry yeah. and yeah, yeah. Turns out I didn't read the whole can. <laughs> I, I saw ingredients and saw water and then in bold malted barley and I'm like, ah, okay. Um, I really I liked it. I like the fact that those that sort of berry stone fruity stuff was was kind of painted on mm. in the sense it was quite light and it wasn't the main flavor. But I think I'm going to give it to the Don't Mess With The Yorkshire Stout on the basis of like I'm halfway through and I've, I've had a very different appreciation for it. It's grown a lot and it feels a lot okay. broader, which was like my only hesitancy when I first tasted it. It's Now that it, like, like I said, now that my palate's saturated with it, like some of the gaps that were there are gone. Mm. And like I've been on very close to this for a while. You remember I was saying I really like that end, yes. the the beginning of the finish, and so kind of quickly went through that first half. Then we started rambling about games as we were watching. Well, as you were saying, uh, you can kind of you can see this being a beer that you could nurse. Yeah, and then suddenly I was nursing it because 
the other parts of the taste caught up. I'm still mm. enjoying that bit, but it no longer feels sort of yep. singular. It's all kind of blending in. The whole finish is feeling a lot more acridy and coffee y. Or the, again, the acrid, I just mean like that, like it's not just coffee, it's slightly burnt coffee. That's, it's not like an acridity. But like the whole finish is now feeling a lot more like that. So I don't, f- I mean, I don't feel like I'm, that thing I like mm-hmm. is not there. Now it's like, oh, that thing I like is sort of part of this general curve and it's all more, more I'm appreciating the whole curve while still noticing that that thing is less of a spike, but it's still yeah, there. Yeah. There's still that burst of sort of rounded coffee. But I think that's um, that's why I'm going to pick the Don't Mess With Yorkshire Shut Stout just because it, it sort of matured over a half of mm. the can to a, a beer that from one that was like very interesting in a kind of singular way. While it, and just interesting in the rest of being quite interesting the whole way, or quite interesting is a good thing because I'm Canadian and not, not a bad thing because I'm British. <laughs> nice, good. Um, I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm going to pick the first mm. beer, um, the the West Coast Pale Ale, High Hopes from Burnt Mill, over this um, Arbor Stout. Um, interesting. It was just a little bit too thin. Um, it didn't the the nose was lovely when I cracked the can, and the flavor didn't quite live up to that it, it, it's 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 thin it's very light in what it's kind of delivering, and that chocolate just dominates over the top of kind of the other bits that you would expect you know that multi biscuity backbone to it that nice sort of sweetness from the caramel the chocolate kind of overrides those and you 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 kind of you don't feel at least I didn't feel that that initial sweetness that you get was from the caramel. It felt like it was more from the lactose and that you were kind of having milk chocolate in a beer, which then just mm. faded a little bit. And then you got it into be a little bit more sort of dark chocolatey with a touch of that kind of biscuit. And that was it really. Uh, the high hopes, which again, a lovely nose, uh, um, but had this nice flow to the beer. Whilst it was a bit more reserved and the flavors weren't as punchy as I would like. Um, for like a 5% three quid beer, very, very drinkable, very, very easy. And it has a nice flow. It's made very, very well. Uh, um, and I liked the way that the kind of those, those, those sweet tropical fruits moved in to the more danker ones, you know, using that lime, using the citra in there to kind of move through into a more dank sort of feel, which then led very nicely into that kind of piney bitter finish. Uh, so it was just a very well made, beer if a little light so if anyone wants something a bit punchier and a bit bigger i mean you're probably not reaching for a pail but even for a mm. pail this feels just a touch too reserved um but i will give it to the high hopes this week um as as i said i think when i cracked this can burnt milk made some amazing beers and they're bigger kind of 8% dippers. You know, they're really big, bitter uh, beers are absolutely fantastic. So if you haven't, check Birmingham out. Um, I mean, check all these breweries out, obviously, because that's the thing to do. Drink all of the beers, try them all um, and see what works for you. Uh, if you want to talk to us about the beers you've been drinking, all the games you've been playing, you can do so in lots of different ways. We are Tanked Up Cast over on twitter you can email us tankedupcast at gmail.com if you want to throw down some long form thoughts or get in touch with us for any other reason i'm at nova underscore 47 and adel is 
at the Omnia. Uh, they are our social handles on Twitter and our handles on most of the gaming platforms that we are on. If you want to, you know, jump into a game with us, let us know if you're playing Halo Infinite and you've got an hour free on a Tuesday afternoon or something like that. Uh, or you want to see Adel's driver tar in Forza and see that he's driven 4,006 roads or all of that random stuff that pops up as you're kind of <laughs> uh, playing the game. Um, you should also go to outoflives.net, which is where we put up all of our thoughts on games, beers, TV shows, loads of stuff over there, and loads of our other contributors as well, putting up um, all of their thoughts on those things too. If you don't, you should probably subscribe to the podcast either on YouTube, on the Out of Lives uh, YouTube page, uh, or on your podcast service of choice. Rate, review us, that'd be very kind of you, and also tell your friends because that's the best way for us to grow, broaden the conversation, get more people in. And you can come to our Discord as well. Give one of us a shout. We will share a link with you. And you can come talk to us all the time in the Discord, apart from when we're sleeping. We probably won't reply then. Um, but that's it. I think that's all. Though you never but, know. Yeah, that's true. There is the occasional kind of five o'clock wake up. We're like, just look at my phone, I suppose. Um, yeah, I think that's all the places. They're the beers we drank and the games we played. Adol, have you got anything you'd like to finish out on this week uh not really i think uh just play games read books be kind to each other nice yeah i i echo the sentiments uh for this week we've been tanked up goodbye bye www.outoflives.net